Matthew J. Greco. It's 5.11 a.m. Tuesday morning. What are we doing in this rat race right now? Trying to get the cheese, Jerry. Just trying to get some cheese. How much cheese do we have at the moment? No cheese. I can't get the cheese. You just keep running. You just keep running and you never get the cheese. Right now we're on, we're on the wheel. We're on the, the hamster wheel, but we just don't know it. We can keep running and running, but we're not going to get anywhere. Uh, the irony is, after this podcast, I will be sitting on one of those wheels in the old bike, just making my miles, trying to shed a few of these pounds from the long weekend. And there's no better comparison to what we're talking about, the rat race in life, than this fat little bastard over here just chugging away on that bike at 5 a.m. in the morning. Sad days. Well, not only is that a testament to your dedication to just everything, but it's also a perfect lead-in to what we need to talk about more than anything, which would be a recap of UFC 229, because as you know, there are now um, some clarifications coming out as to what exactly Connor and his, his peeps were saying to Khabib, including calling calling him out um, in some very unflattering ways, using the term rat and making fun of his religion. But we'll get to that. Matt, UFC 229, um, where do we even begin? I was thinking the same thing before you called. I have multiple things to say. <laughs> I don't know how to organize my thoughts. I tried to make a little framework. I'm not confident I'm going to stick to that framework. So I don't know. I think we just... I think we shoot from the hip here. Um, I, what I don't want to do, which I assume we are going to do, like everyone else is around the country uh, or the world, is we're going to overlook much of what was a impressive fight itself, right, from the bell to the bell, uh, in lieu of all the other drama, which we have. There's no way around that. So that's going to happen regardless. But um, at some point, though, I, I do want to talk about the fight itself, but I don't think we can ignore the elephant in the room, which is was the melee afterwards. So maybe we just kind of start there and work our way back into the fight as we go along, if that's uh, okay with you, sir. Yeah, we'll, we'll go ahead and start with the, the low-hanging fruit. You know, it'd be, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about uh, the ensuing brouhaha and mayhem and bedlam that ensued after the fight as a result of, you know, Habib throwing his mouthpiece Connor's jiu-jitsu coach and then, uh, you know, jumping the fence and then Connor's, uh, excuse me, uh, Khabib's corner jumping Connor. And it was, I, I remember everyone in the room was just stunned and everyone just couldn't believe it. And in all my time of watching UFC um, with you, I've never seen anything quite like that. Like there've been some crazy things, but that seemed like it was just out of hand. I mean, that was going in a bad place real quick. So as they do when you build a house, you know, you got you got to dig a hole. You got to lay a foundation. Right. But look, let's do a little of that before we get into everything that kind of went down. So I think that's important. Right. Yeah. Um, you, you've been an MMA fan for years now, uh, as have I. Um, you know what the sport's about. You know what the sport is built on. You've seen the highest level of the sport in the UFC and amazing moments uh, that we'll always remember. You've seen the of MMA down to the small local amateur organizations around the country that fight in unregulated areas under tin roofs with no medical, with no referees, with no weight classes, with fighters who shouldn't be fighting. You've seen the gamut, as have I. 
So what we know about MMA is that it's still a young sport that's very unregulated that still is trying to really find its place, I think, in the in the sports world. It's not the NFL. It's not the NBA. It's not the MLB. It's not the NHL. It's not even boxing. It's its own thing. It's very young. And it has had the unfortunate or fortunate, whichever way you want to look at it, uh, in the occurrence of scaling very fast. You know, it hit. It hit the mark so quick. It sold for billions of dollars. It became a cool fringe sport that everyone wanted to be a part of, from celebrities to movie stars to rap artists, whoever. It's failed to really do it the right way. And it's not its fault, MMA's fault necessarily, but it's just the way the sport operates. It's a promotion business. I think what we saw on Saturday night was a powder keg that was going to explode at some point maybe not how that happened or how we expected it to happen but we expect i think as mma fans at some point to have a a few of the following things happen in the sport because of the because of the gaps it still has we expect that at some point fighters a fighter or multiple fighters and some have already died because of weight cutting right we know that's going to happen because there's no regulations it's tough to determine what the best way to do that is. We know that now the sport spans the globe and different countries, cultures, religions, that's gonna that kind of thing is gonna be used in the promotion and the shit talking, which we saw this past weekend with Connor and Khabib. And that's gonna happen at some point. We know that there's gonna be steroid use and there's gonna be a negative reaction to that. We know that all of these fighters are, air quote, independent contractors who have no say in their livelihood within the sport. And most, 90%, are pretty much left for poor um, in the prime of their careers or even before the prime of their careers because they don't have any representation uh, in terms of a union or something like that. So we know all these things, right? Well, and then on top of that, don't overlook also the head trauma. These guys were suffering insane amounts of blows to the head, which now in the NFL, they're trying to start to regulate that. But as far as I know, they don't do a whole lot in the sport. Right. Correct. So we have all those things in what we call our sport. And when we say our sport, we say it as hardcore fans who follow basically every fight, who know a lot of the history, who know the rules who know what it means, not even, not that we're fighters, but we've covered the sport long enough to know that simply calling a fighter trash or saying a fighter quit or a fighter should retire is not okay. We know that now, and we've learned that because we've been so close to the sport. We don't need the fringe casual fans, the talking heads who cover the four major sports to come in once every two years, on a big card and start making judgment. We don't want that. And it happens because the UFC wants it to happen because it makes money for them. Because all the things I said a few minutes ago about the risks are just that they're just risks in the grand scheme of things. But what they aren't, are they, what they're not, they are not things that Dana White and the UFC and Bellator and Scott Coker and all the big promoters care about because it will hurt their bottom line, it will hurt their dollar if all of those things are addressed, if all of those problems are solved. And they're not all they're not all gonna be solved at any point. I think foundationally the biggest 
fault or blame needs to be laid not on the two fighters. They all they both deserve their share of the blame. So I'm not gonna act like that's not a thing. I don't want anyone to misconstrue that. But foundationally, the UFC is the biggest loser in the situation. And I don't feel bad for them. I saw takes yesterday and Sunday that we should feel bad for the UFC and Dana White that it was their big night to shine, the biggest card in UFC history, one of the best fights on paper in UFC history, and that we need to feel bad for that. I don't take that at all in any seriousness because they've made this. For years, they've made this. They've stoked this fire for, what, six months now? Uh, I mean, at least. Not even six months because, uh, excuse me, um, that's just a tip of the iceberg because you can go back to when they started letting Connor get away with murder and Perfect. let him yes. do so yes. six months. This is more like uh, I would say probably three years. Well, okay, so even beyond Connor, it's it's the enabling of certain fighters, right, who bring in the money yeah. to mm-hmm. let them get get away with murder, essentially, and not have repercussions for them, which then basically tell the other fighters, well, I don't, I shouldn't get in trouble either. Why would any fighter? Why would the guy who jumped the cage to punch Connor think he was going to get in trouble when? You know, I'm being a little, you know, talking cheek there, but why would he think that there's any repercussions? Connor threw a dolly through a window and injured four fighters that were going to fight on a fight car that night or a day later. Nothing happened. He paid some. He paid some money out. He wasn't punished. You can't do all that and expect for everyone else to just fall in line. I don't care if he's your big money maker. I get that, but you, as a sport. If you want to be taken serious, if you want to be on ESPN, if you want to be on Fox, if you want you want Steve A. Smith and Colin Coward to talk about you, you got to treat yourself like the sports that have regulation, that have rules, that have protocols, no matter what, no matter who you are. And it's just not there yet. Foundationally, I think that was the big undertone of the entire melee, of the entire buildup to the fight that led to all this. Now, yes, bad bad behavior by a few people. I get that. Totally get that. But we, the same way we expect a 6'4", 255-pound linebacker who runs a 4'4", to pull up as he's running full speed to tackle a quarterback, to pull up the last second and, and make a, you know, an educated tackle, not using his head upward or his body to press the quarterback in the ground the same way you expect that person. Okay. To not do that in the heat of the moment, we have to understand that these guys are coming off of one of the most craziest things in the world. You can do a fight, literally a prize fight where you are still, you have a head of steam far after the fight ends. Adrenaline is coursing through your veins. And, And that's without, all the layers behind this fight, right? That's just a fight where the two guys are okay with each other. And you're still going to have that adrenaline rolling throughout your body more than anything in the world. You were just in a fight for your life. There's a risk you can die in there, literally. You've trained for this your entire life. You put in more work than any professional athlete in a six-week period to prepare for that fight. You can't be expected to just turn it off so quickly. Are you expected to jump out of the cage and start attacking people? No, I'm not saying that. 
but we really need to just be careful about understanding everything that's behind this before we're just so quick to judgment to call people trash, to basically say their their career's over or they're this or they're that because of, you know, one really big, you know, error in judgment. And I just, I just feel like that needs to be addressed more than anything is that Khabib Nurmagomedov is one of the best fighters in the world, clearly. He rolled Conor McGregor. I mean, it was impressive as can be. It happened like we all of us thought it would happen, but man, for him to execute it like he did, it was so impressive. I mean, this is a guy who, who came from nothing. I mean, this guy didn't grow up in the suburbs of Chicago, and he didn't, you know, work his ass off in wrestling practice and go home to three square meals a day. He didn't have clothes. There's a lot of things behind this that people need to understand. This is a guy who's literally fought for his life his entire career. And to dismiss him over something that is bad, but is so reactionary, I just think we need to be a little more careful. And I get more sick than anything when I have to look at the talking heads of sports who don't cover the sport, who don't know much about the sport, or friends of mine who just come in for, you know, one little jab at the sport when they want to, when something like this happens. I don't want to do that. I can't, I can't allow that. You got to speak up. You got to, you got to try to talk it out at that point and figure out what really happened and what basically more and more, what can we do better next time? You know, I mean, that's really what's, what this comes down to. Connor's not, he's not innocent in this. And I think even before I left this morning, did something just come out about him being suspended? Like it's, there's going to be more fallout from this, as you alluded to, as we learn more about what was said to people, uh, what was brought into the conversation in terms of religion, politics, race. And that's when it really gets tough. You know, I mean, we're lucky enough over in, sorry, you go ahead. I I know you want to jump in here. I've been talking all day. Yeah. uh, Well, no, I I think that at at its base, first of all, with these sports, it's also, we're selling violence, right? Like you said, we want, we want these guys to be gladiators. And then at a moment, someone say, okay, now you have to conform to all of society's rules and be completely normal again, just at the drop of the hat. And that's, uh, I think asking quite a bit, and it's something that these guys are just, it's, they're walking a razor thin line there. Um, UFC, I'm not sure what they were thinking because by all accounts, they were aware that there were already fights between the fans themselves, um, like at the weigh-ins before. They should have doubled whatever security presence they have there, tripled it, whatever they needed to do. Um, and then as far as, as to your point you were just making, the UFC loved this from Connor in every other fight. They loved it when he was going at Aldo and talking about how he was going to raid his Brazilian favela and take all his horses or whatever. They loved it when he was calling um, Nate Diaz, you know, the, 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 the little cholo gangster in the hood who's teaching jiu-jitsu classes on Sunday. Uh, they had they would they put him on world tours with this, you know, have him yelling at Jeremy Stevens, whoever it was, and so so they they were trying to harness all that power, and then they it, because at that point in time nothing really bad had happened, you know, it was just him selling the fight, and then finally now it just reached critical mass and just went completely out of proportion, and they're the ones who just let let this thing this balloon just get so big, so big, so big, it eventually was going to pop. Uh, so like you said. Is there blame to be passed around for the individual fighters? Of course, but UFC let this monster just grow. They did, and um, in fact, the UFC, I'm pretty sure, had a very high indication in their own mind something was going to happen. They made a lot of Khabib's team watch the fight, including Khabib's manager, Ali Abaziz, from the back. 
I mean, they weren't even cage side. So they knew things were going to happen. Security wise, man, I I, I agree. You need to add more. I just don't know how much more. Like, that's the thing. It's like, when when do you stop having security? I guess you can never have enough. But when a guy jumps like Khabib did off the cage into the stands, <laughs> I mean, some of these security guards aren't prepared for that. <laughs> they're no, not. no. They're, they're not. And even if they were, I mean, you see some of the still shots, some of the security guards' faces are like, oh, shit. They didn't know what to do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this yeah. maniac's jumping off the cage. He's, what a, he's the eagle, isn't he? Isn't that his nickname? Yep, he's the eagle. He looked like an eagle flying in there. Let me tell you something else. They got it. Someone has got to do something about Dylan Dennis. Okay. I don't listen. Khabib jump over the cage. Very bad. I get it. Dylan Dennis is the one person in this conversation that basically is, is Connor's little sidekick. He's Connor's protege. He's people have said for two or three years now, you know, and let me back up. He's Connor's basically Connor's jujitsu coach or one of them. Jiu-Jitsu training fire. Dylan Dennis is a New York. Um, he's a Marcelo Garcia black belt. He's one of the best in the world. He's multiple time uh, NABJJF champion. He just entered MMA about two years ago. He fights in Bellator. But he is one of those guys who just loves to poke. He pokes, he pokes, he pokes. He has credentials in jiu-jitsu behind him. He does not have many credentials in MMA behind him. And he was the guy Khabib was going after. And he clearly did not expect that to happen. But someone's got to do something about that guy. If I'm Connor's team, I'm putting an end to that right now. I know mm-hmm. it's part of the buildup and the promotion. And Connor, you know, hindsight 2020 probably doesn't care much and thinks it's great that Dylan did that. But if you're in Connor's camp, you got to understand this guy's more of a liability than anything. You got to get him in order quick. Because he's always in the middle of this shit. He's already on Twitter trying to fight Rafael Dos Anjos in an uncommissioned fight because they're never going to fight. He's in Bellator. So it's just like he's always one of those guys who talks shit. He's kind of in the middle of things. And he's one of the reasons that they could be one over that fence, quite frankly. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, it's, I don't know, it's kind of one thing to promote the fight. And then it's the other thing to just incite riots. And if this guy has a history of it, and didn't he? Uh, you know what? I might be wrong on this, so I don't want to say for sure. But did he have problems with another one of his teams he was on prior to SBG, and then they they drummed him out? Well, he got kicked out of Marcelo Garcia's uh, jiu-jitsu. Okay, okay. Yeah, he got booted because uh, Marcelo didn't like what he was kind of about because he was kind of taking that Floyd Mayweather, Conor McGregor playbook, you know, kind of doing all those things to get, it, get himself attention. Yeah, so here we have someone who's got a history of this. And then yeah. look at look at the end results. I mean, you can say before, like, well, yeah, you know, but there's other guys who've talked smack before, and this just, you know, they never did what Khabib did. Yeah, but this was getting real personal, and it, by all accounts, he was still shouting all that crazy stuff during the fight. Um, yeah. And so, I listen, if you have someone who's a bad actor, you have to consider him uh, right along there with those, I don't know if you, it's a suspension or what, but when we're looking uh, to pass out blame, he needs to be up there right with uh, Khabib's guys who hopped in. Well, the commissions can do it. New York or uh, Nevada commission can certainly do that to Dylan Dennis. The problem is, is they barely fights in Vegas uh, and the commissions are by state. So yeah, another, another reason back to my point earlier is that the sport isn't there yet. If you had one commissioning body among all the states who can exercise some kind of punishment to all fighters involved, that would be ideal, but there isn't that. So likely 
that's not going to happen. And that's crazy. You know, Bellator is just going to use that to their advantage as well, as is the UFC. I mean, again, going back to the UFC, don't think this is not the best thing that could have happened. I mean, this is this is what they do. This is the promotion for the rematch and more. This doesn't end. And they tried their best to cut away from things when it was happening to really not show you everything because they were on the main stage that night, right? They were they were being viewed by two million plus people, ideally if they if they're happy with it, hopefully for them um, to to see that happen on that kind of stage is bad. But don't think UFC embedded, UFC countdown, all the promotional videos for future fights that probably a rematch between Conor and Khabib are not going to draw upon all of that footage, just like they did the Dolly incident, right? We knew that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. They're going to do the same thing with this, and it's just going to add more feel to the fire. And Dana, he has to play angry dad, you know, when it happens. But he's not mad. Come on now. He's not mad. The UFC's had one of the worst years in the public eye it's ever had. The fights have been okay. The stars haven't been around. This is great going into the last two months of the year for them. This is amazing for them. And they know that. And they'll use that. And that's the problem is it's not going to end here. It just, it it won't. No, because let's say that fight played out just the exact same way. Uh, You know, Khabib submitting Connor, Connor tapping out. Um, and then it just, they, they shake hands and then Khabib gets the strap and they go the separate ways. Cool. Great fight. But no one's talking about it on Monday. You know, well, no, no one's talking about it beyond noon on Monday. You catch up at the water cooler as to what happened. That's it. And then it's done. No one mentions it. We're still talking about this. We're waiting with bated breath to see what's going to happen to these guys. We want to see what the repercussions are. We want to see what the next move is. And it will be like that for the next couple of weeks. So yes, as long as we're talking about it, no matter what it is, Dana White's smiling. He's smiling all day. So what are the repercussions here? I mean, suspensions, yes, but whatever. A lot of them go on medical suspensions of some sort anyway for four to six months after the fights. So what are we really going to do here? Fines? Okay, great. Khabib gets fined. Well, Connor gets fined. Maybe. I don't know. But nothing's going to really happen, right? Nothing's going to happen. Not to the bigger names. Uh, I, I think... There might be some heftier suspensions handed down for uh, Khabib's guys who jumped in the octagon afterwards, jumped Connor. Sure. Um, but that's you know, they're those aren't the big names. Those aren't, you know, that's not Connor or Khabib himself. Yeah, agree. So nothing's gonna happen. And this is gonna be for now. We're talking about it. It's fun to talk about. It's good to look back, but nothing's gonna happen. I think the bigger thing is this thing crossed over into a weird place. Um, it just. And I tried to kind of explain this to some people on, on Sunday when they're, we were talking about it, people who don't really know the history. I mean, okay, what do they say about, you know, whenever you're at work or at a dinner party, you don't talk about religion and politics, mm-hmm. right? Is yeah. that kind of the saying? Mm-hmm. I mean, those two things were at the forefront of this fight. <laughs> yeah. Um, and what, what do you expect when those things are brought up? And you're talking about, a real, I mean, we know people who are Muslim, right? I mean, it's a, it's a, it's an old proud religion. It's not an excuse and I'm not making an excuse for any of the actions that happened. And it should be really draw. We should draw upon that as a, you know, the behavior of somebody who's Muslim is like what could be did. I'm not saying that, but it's a proud religion is deep roots. You have to be careful going at people who practice that religion. And Connor was not, his team was not as we're finding out. 
And again, not an excuse for Khabib and his team, but what do we think was going to happen? You know, I mean, I, I'm Catholic, I guess. I was raised Catholic, but you know, if you make fun of me as a Catholic, like I don't care. <clears throat> it's just it's not in me. I don't. I'm not as proud to be in that religion. I, I don't practice it. That's my fault. Whatever. But I just don't have the same. You know, I don't have the same skin in the game that a lot of Muslim people do. And you're, you're when you attack country and religion like they like Connor and his team did, even if it was for the promotion, you got to understand these are people who don't care. They, they take this serious. You're going to a deep, dark place. Um, and I think that should have been nipped in the bud earlier by the UFC to some extent. I don't know what they could have done other than warned Connor and his team, but I think you got to know enough at this point if you're the UFC. Uh, PR, compliance, whatever department handles that to say we got to watch it here. We got to right. be careful. Well, it doesn't matter what religion it is. Um, it when, when you start calling people out by their religions, that's when you start getting into, okay, is this, we're talking hate crimes now because how many wars, genocides, and murders have happened on account of religion in the history of the world? Uh, we, I mean, we can't even add up, we can't even add up the numbers, you know? Right. Um, so anytime you start doing that, and, and especially one, um, you know, like when you're looking at Habib, who's a devout Muslim, you know, there's, he, you know, identifies as that. There's a lot that goes into that. I mean, you know, the, um, you know, we have we have friends who are Muslim and 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 uh, they they take time to pray every day and and so when you're just start start identifying people only by their religion, then calling them out for it, you're just sort of debasing them as so that's the only thing they are, and and you're just you're just asking for trouble there. And then on top of that, just the the region he's from, not religious wise, but just like you know he's Dagestani. I mean, talk about talk about people who you don't want to mess with and who are also very proud of where they come from, you know, national pride there. Um, it was just it was just a powder keg waiting to go, and he was just throwing gasoline on the fire. And the UFC they needed to step in and say, "Okay, Connor, look, uh, if you want to talk about anything else about him, go ahead, but let's just lay off of this one thing right here." And I mean, just in the world right now, how much conflict is there between between religions in the the Middle East and in, in other other you know places? I, I'm not going to just single any religion out, but right now, just conflict we have in the world, it's too much. Exactly. And you're and also country wise, you're talking about two of the proudest countries in the world. <clears throat> I mean, the following these two countries have and the, the, the loyalty they have to each other. I mean, Ireland is a small country, but Jesus Christ, every time Connor fights, the entire crowd is Irish. It's almost like all of them travel just for the fight. I mean, how big is America, the USA compared to Ireland? We don't give two. We. Don't get two shits about Daniel Cormier or John Jones. No. We're not traveling to Asia to see Stipe fight. Are you kidding me? And we're not draping ourselves. No, and we're not draping ourselves in American flags when we go over no. there to do it either. It's not happening like that. These are. It's a different scenario. It's not apples to oranges, it, or it's apples, not apples to apples. It's apples to oranges. It's just not the same. We need to understand it. It's also not LeBron versus Steph Curry. You know, it's not. It's not dabbing after the game together and going to the club together. This isn't. This isn't that. This is fighting. You can't fake fighting, and you can't fake fighting when it involves country and religion and very proud people. You just can't. And for us to sit here and think that, you know, we, we have to try to understand that and, and compare it to us is not even close to the same thing. I think we just we need to be aware of that. So this is a global sport the way soccer is. I mean, this is not the same thing. I mean, okay, for example, the Cuban wrestling team, if you, uh, if you know much about Cuban boxing, Cuban wrestling, 
a little I mean, bit. Those mm-hmm. kids are those kids are trained from a very young age based on what their talent they're perceived to have. They're put in a dormitory and they're, and they're made to train. The one thing that happens in this dormitory, okay, as they start, is they have floors. You know, first floor to tenth floor, let's say. You want to get to the tenth floor because on the tenth floor, that means you're the best at that time. And on the tenth floor, you get three meals a day. You get better clothes. You get this. You get that. When you're on floors one through nine. You don't have that. You get one meal a day, maybe two meals a day. Okay, you're fighting for that top spot. We don't have that over here. We're not subject to that. We're not used to that. It's the same thing in places like Dagestan or Russia or Cuba. They're literally fighting for life. And this is something we just, we don't know. We can't act like we know it. And to not recognize that there's probably a a lot of deep seated things in Khabib's mind, right? In that very moment, I've worked for all this. I'm being disrespected. I've been through stuff you don't know about, you know, a lapse in judgment like that. I just think needs to be given a little more leeway than, than a lot of us are given it, especially the big people that carry the most weight, you know, the Colin Cowers, Steve Naismiths, the people who can get their message across much better than we can, unfortunately. Yeah, no, you're 100% right. We, it's uh, from a, a place that we can't speak on, we don't really know about because we don't have to fight and have those trials and tribulations, and we always always know we're getting three squares a day and have a roof over our heads, so it's something that we can't really comprehend. I encourage everyone to check out Dave Doyle, uh, Dave Doyle MMA, at Dave Doyle MMA. His article from yesterday that kind of covers a lot of this. It was probably the most well-done article um, on this entire situation, and it really didn't even cover the fight itself. It covered everything we just talked about to an extent. It's a, it's a good read and it's a good, I think, letter to the, to the larger public about things that they're maybe not considering all this. I just, I encourage people to go check that out. And for God's sake, can, can the UFC and everyone please stop linking themselves to the Chechenian dictator? I, I've, we've talked about this what twice now. Did you see a few days ago what Floyd Mayweather was doing? No, what did he do now? Floyd Mayweather was over there in Chechnya oh as a guest of Ramzan Kirov, the dictator who's wanted for war, war crimes against his people, specifically gay people. Okay, Floyd's over there shooting off AR-15s in a field with the Chechnyan army as a guest to the dictator to sh- to be at his MMA show this weekend. Smart. That's what not a bad not a bad look at all. Not not bad at all. <laughs> it just can't we Okay. Again, I we, we've talked about it before, but for folks who don't know, I don't want to go through the whole story again. Go check out uh, Kareem Zidane at Zidane Z I D A N Sports uh, for any article, any piece of information about the Chechen dictator Rob Zankirov and his involvement in MMA in Chechnya, and not only in Chechnya, in the USA, folks. That's right. That's right. A Chechnya dictator who kills his own people is tied to the UFC very closely, in fact, to the point where he's inviting and hosting UFC fighters in Chechnya to attend his fights, including the CEO, Ari Emanuel of WMG, who owns the UFC now, as a guest at his MMA show. And Ari Emanuel, a guy who just last year received a uh, an award here in the USA 
for his work in the LGBTQ community <laughs> is hanging out now with a Chechen dictator who kills homosexual people. Wow. That's what we're, that's what we're doing. UFC. That's what you have to deal with. So you talk about layers to all of this. There's a layer that needs to be looked at and it's been brought to light by guys like Kareem Zadon, but it's not hit the surface of, uh, of mainstream media to the point that I think it needs to. And I think the UFC really needs to evaluate what, what they're doing there because all they're doing is encouraging a, a terrible person to instigate a lot of bad shit against humans. These are humans, remember, regardless of what you think, they're humans. And it's 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 going over to the UFC. Um, Khabib Nurmagomedov, a lot of people from his team, his coach Ali Abaziz, many from even Fabricio Verdum is part of this team over in Chechnya. I mean, they are very much linked to this fanboy dictator, and the UFC loves it because they get a great pool of fighters for the future. Um, but I think what they're failing to realize is this guy is basically creating a a, a mob of uh, neo-Nazi people who are willing to do really bad things to others uh, in, in the form of MMA. Also, check out the Real Sports doc, um, uh, segment on that. It, it included Kareem Zidane. I think it's from last year. You can probably Google it and find it. I mean, it just it needs to be talked about. It needs to be addressed. And I don't know if they're ever going to, but I mean, how many times have we talked about it? Three or four times. Yeah, and every time cool. we talk about it, something weird happens. I mean, if this isn't, you know, the weirdest, I don't know what it is. Right. Yeah, this is right here, the pinnacle. And it's crazy to think it could get even weirder. But uh, I don't know. I think the UFC is playing a dangerous game when you associate with people like this. And then eventually they're going to get burned. You know, it's going to be the tiger going crazy. And it's just, no, it's just the tiger going tiger. What did you expect was going to happen when you get involved with a warlord who engages in genocide? Who knew, who knew that that could have gone bad? That's insanity. It's, I mean, again, it goes back to what we said earlier at the very beginning. This is foundationally it's just the UFC isn't ready for this. They can't they can't scale properly. They're overlooking easy things. I mean, we're just two jerk offs talking on a podcast and we know this is bad. It's unreal. I don't I don't get it. I don't know if they're going to address it, but I encourage anyone who's interested in like what the other layers to this are to go check that out because I think it's important. Yeah, it is. You have to to understand where you're coming from and what the landscape's looking like and where they're headed right now because this is only going to get worse before it's going to get better, um, especially if they start becoming beholden to some of these dictators. Craziness. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what else to say. Um, <clears throat> I know we got to wrap it up probably in a few minutes here. Um, you got two minutes to talk about the fight. Yeah, let's we do really it. Need to talk about that. Um, wow. I mean the real winner I think in this whole thing is Tony Ferguson. Oh man. He looked great. Huh? <clears throat> Coming off that knee injury like that. I mean, he's slashed and bashed. Mm. Pettis, and Pettis who had been worried. looking very good up to that point, oh, like, you know, the fights been, leading up to that. Yeah, He's been looking amazing. Yeah. You know, he's not out of it by any means, but I really thought Pettis would be able to take advantage of Tony being off, you know, and coming off a knee injury. But uh, quite the opposite. And that puts Tony, I think, right in the driver's seat for the fifth shot at Khabib. It will be the fifth time they'll try to make that fight. Wow. Really? I, it seems cursed. It seems cursed. Yeah, it does. But that's, I mean, it not that the, the logical fight to make. It's still the fight that everyone wants to see. 
And um, I don't know, maybe fifth time's a charm, but the way he was just so relentless and pushing the pace and just bullying Pettis around that octagon, um, I, I think that in the end he's – because I mean, th- what was it? He – help me out, Matt. He was the interim title holder? Yeah. And for then like, what three months? Yeah, then he and then got hurt. Hurt his knee eleven days prior to the fight on April Fool's Day. Okay, so you know he's already got the pedigree, and we know he's got the chops to to be up there at the top of the mountain. Um, I, I really want to see this fight more than more than anyone they could throw at me or make in the UFC right now. Yeah, and maybe it's good to do that and let the entire Connor Khabib thing cool off. I know Connor's asking for the instant rematch. Why? Why? <laughs> Why, why should he get – what in that lent you to say, oh, yeah, that was rematch worthy? Yes, uh, so looking at the judges' scorecards, Connor won the third round, 10-9. But um, prior to that, it was 10-9 Khabib, then 10-8 Khabib. All judges had it the same way. That Nothing in that lent itself to a rematch. Um, I, I Connor does not look like – yeah, he, he looked good, but he just doesn't seem like he's the same guy he was. I just don't see that same fire that there was before. Um, well, I, I don't see any reason to run it back. I think um, I, as, a, as a fan of just the, the match of skill, I would like to see it again only because I think you're right. The Connor did not seem to have the fire that he usually has. And I think if anything will get that fire back, it's, it's what happened in the cage. So I think does he deserve a rematch? Eh, I don't know, but it's a fun fight to make again because I think he may know how to improve on, uh, improve on it the next time around. So when I see it again, yes, but I'm not, I'm not yearning for it right now. So, you know, I mean, if it, if a year and a half from now, it's a fight to make for a variety of reasons, because as we know in the UFC, things happen, right. Where they create more interest in the fight for a second or third time. But if I had my druthers, I think I'd rather see uh, Diaz Connor again before that and do Tony yeah. and Khabib. And then you could always have the second, the, the rematch with Khabib and kind of kind of hang out there if it's, if it's warranted, but you know, yeah. maybe it's not, and maybe he's not even around much longer. Well, know? that's yeah. I mean, I, it annoys me whenever a champion loses, they say they immediately, I want the rematch. Um, sometimes it's warranted. Sometimes it's not, it's just a case by case basis. But with Connor, here's a guy who hadn't fought in the UFC for almost two years. He was taking time off to do his own thing, to do, you know, a weird sideshow boxing match with Floyd Mayweather. Um, and now he comes in, gets manhandled. I mean, that that was a beatdown. He just savagely beaten and then says, Oh, you know what, I deserve to have that, have that back, run it back. I sorry, I don't I I don't think so at all. Show me something else. What are you gonna take take another two years off to try and get this thing going again? I will say the one thing I was impressed with, Connor. <clears throat> his takedown defense and his ability to get up was better than I thought initially. I think he, what happened is what, what typically happens to Connor. He kind of gets tired yeah. and gasses out, yep. but initially he was doing a good job of combating the takedown. And, um, it's ironic that he's, he does such a good job to combat the takedown. Right. And then eats a massive right hand, which, you know, striking is supposed to be his thing. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does. So I, it's, it's a little unique in that situation. Hats off to Khabib. I mean, I was watching the Bad Blood Countdown show, uh, you know, Wednesday or whatever. I, I was kind of watching it, and typically Khabib's not known to have good hands. He's just right. not his game, and we all know that. His hands look good. I was watching his hit the mitts and hit the bag, 
and I saw him doing a little more than we've ever seen before. It's like, and going even going into the fight, I'm not going to be the guy who says like, oh, I saw that coming. But I was actually looking. I'm like, man. I think he can strike with Connor and maybe surprise the hell out of Connor. I think that's exactly what happened. That overhand right oh. that he hit Connor with, because Connor thought he was going in for the takedown, so Connor kind of stuck his nose out to sprawl and he faked and landed that that right hand. That was impressive. It was really impressive. And I think we we may have seen a new facet to his game. And he was so fast out there too. You know, he's his, fast. His he doesn't look like it. He doesn't look like it. This is the weird part. Like he did, he he's a beast, obviously, but he does, he looks like kind of a regular guy, you know. He doesn't have a six pack and doesn't have a huge chest or big biceps, but he's got that weird muscle. He's got that yeah. freak muscle, functional muscle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, good for him. Hey, he won that fight. He mauled. He did what he does. That neck crank or whatever you want to call it was looked vicious. It looked like Connor's head was going to pop off, and he didn't even have it under the chin. Um, so he, that Connor had to be hurting in that one. That looked like it hurt like a son of a bitch. Yeah, no, he was not in a good place. Well, sir. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think we covered a lot in a short time. I wish we had more time to do it and a few cocktails to do it over, but, um, this is how it shall have to be until we can get things in order, I guess. Huh? Yep. Yep. This is how it's gonna have to be. So the fans are just gonna have to deal with it. Not even 6am and we're finishing up here. Um, but well, things impressive will settle down shit. for us. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is always impressive. No matter what, we find a way to make it work. We're always impressive. What a humble guy you are. <laughs> I got to tell you. Um, I've also decided to change my exit, Jerry. I don't like my exit anymore. Okay. I got to come up with something new. Okay. So um, we'll figure it out. But uh, watch. Tell, us, tell everyone where they can find us at. Everyone, if you're listening to this, then you probably already know. But you can get us at SoundCloud on the Five Voice. You can also... Uh, get us on iTunes, The Last Boy Scouts. You can find Matt on uh, Insta- uh, Instagram at The Last Boy Scout Matt. I'm there as JRay26. I am on Twitter at Yowie Party, and Matt's on Twitter at The Fight Voice. Uh, I think eventually we're going to clean up all these things and we're going to get a little more streamlined here for you, but that is a story for another day. We enjoy all you listeners, enjoy any feedback. Matt, once again, excellent job as usual. Thank you for carrying this team. Oh, how dare you? This is a team effort always, Jerry. Um, yeah, we'll be back at it next week. Uh, we got to hit some NFL. We got to talk about the bakery because the bakery is open, Jerry. It's open. Oh, We're rolling now. Open and rolling out the dough. I can't wait. Uh, I got to have a special surprise for my friend Noel who will receive a special gift from the bakery. Sorry, folks. Mm, fancy mm, football. Mm. Deal with it. Mm. You guys can deal with it. Uh, but we'll talk about that another day. And uh, safe travels, sir. Where are you going again? Uh, I'm going to Michigan and then to Green Bay. I'm going to see the Badgers play uh, the Wolverines at the big house and then uh, go to San Francisco at Green Bay on Monday night. The cannon is he's salivating right now. I meant to hit him up on Twitter and let him know about this, but uh, perhaps we have to get him on and have his take on this after the Badgies take on the Wolverines. Amazing. Well, you have fun. Enjoy Green Bay. I know you will. Um, visit all the old establishments that we've been to before. Will do without fail. I'll send pictures if I can. All right, folks. Uh, thank you. And uh, again, like Jerry said, subscribe, iTunes, SoundCloud, and I guess we'll see you next week. Thanks, buddy. Later, Matt.